And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! The NFL season is over and we are back on the Can't Wait podcast. Uh, the rest of the NFL teams that were in the playoffs and went to the Super Bowl have joined the Jets in offseason mode. Uh, thanks for joining us. Tim McMaster here, along with Zach Rosenblatt, our Jets reporter at The Athletic, and Marissa Dunn, our super producer. Uh, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about Zach's 10-point plan for turning this Jets around team around and having a successful off season. Uh, we're going to revisit the picks because it's over. We have a winner. Uh, we're hoping he can join us on the show as well. Uh, we'll start with the Super Bowl, guys. Before we get into the Super Bowl, we did want to make note of the fact that that really the tragedy that happened yesterday at the Super Bowl parade, the shootings in Kansas City, um, obviously awful um, people there to celebrate and ended up being a you know, terrified and one person obviously lost their life. So we did want to make note of that before we started that we are thinking of everybody out in Kansas City as we think about this Super Bowl and talk a little bit about the Super Bowl um, and, and what went down in Las Vegas, which was the Kansas City Chiefs winning another Super Bowl and Zach McCole Hardman catching the game winning touchdown. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was uh, not going to happen any other way. <laughs> it. it and he had a he had a big catch earlier in the game too, but yeah, just to be the the game winning catch in the Super Bowl, like the last play of the NFL season, is the guy that the Jets cast aside because they couldn't figure out how to use him or whatever. <laughs> it was it was pretty perfect. And then to top it all off, the Jets decided shortly after that to come out with an announcement that they're going to have new jerseys, which is just very fascinating timing for them. Um, very Jetsy in timing. I didn't really. You, you got to wait. You can't do that the night of the Super Bowl when. I know they didn't plan on McCole Hardman being the guy. I'm sure it was a planned, a scheduled tweet or whatever, or maybe not because it was overtime. But yeah, it was a, it was a lot of like quintessential Jets stuff going on there. <clears throat> I mean, it was, it was just, it was more funny that it was a Jets player, like more than I think, like McCole. They didn't really have a plan for McCole Hardman when they signed him. Obviously, um, part of the plan was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, whatever reason, he didn't connect with his coaching staff. Uh, couldn't get on the field. And so they traded him and and then you move on with your life. But I mean, at any time the Jets give up somebody, they haunt you later. I kind of thought Dalvin Cook would have had that kind of moment this this postseason too, but he didn't. But um it just ultimately didn't work out for Nicole here. I think it was poor planning uh by on the Jets part, and you definitely can criticize them for it. I don't think it's worth like um, you know, it, it was more like funny than anything. Like, I don't think it's a referendum on the Jets as much as like we want it to be, but it, it, yeah. it, it was just, it was just, it was just, per, it was just like funny because one of the very few like notable guys, like he was on the Jets this season and uh, he was in hard knocks, predicting hard knocks. a Super Bowl win over the 49ers, which turned out to be true for him personally. That <laughs> yeah. was, that was crazy to me. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> like, what are the odds of that? 
I just made me think of it with the magic thing. Sauce Gardner had a hilarious tweet uh, like yesterday or the day before where he said he did some, mm-hmm. uh, he saw some magic trick and he was, he like was sure that he only had a card in his hand and then the, the, the magician did whatever. And all of a sudden there was a glass in his hand. He's like, I'm not, I'm never going back to Vegas. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing for the Jets. The Super Bowl is not there next year. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It sounded like there was no like uh, you know problems with it with it being in Vegas. Like I didn't really hear about anything. You know uh, what was fascinating to me though is Jim Nance took every possible opportunity during the broadcast to like throw in little gambling references, <laughs> right down to the winning touchdown where he said jackpot. Um, right. And it, it's just such a difference when you think back like ten years ago and what every professional sport thought about. Well, in this country thought about Vegas and gambling and all of that. And now it's just like, it's everywhere. It's accepted. It's part of the broadcast. Al Michaels was the only one who made it part of the broadcast uh, when it was taboo, right? He would always get those little comments in late in the game about, well, somebody's still paying attention to this game. But for Jim Nance to get, I think there was four or five times during the game where he got little gambling references and it was crazy, but that's where we are now. Yeah. What would you guys think? How'd you think about how Nance and Romo did. I, I thought Romo is just, he just like talks too much. Um, well, so Andrew like, Marshall like, now. Yeah. Mar- Andrew Marshall, we just hired, he did, he wrote a, a review that I agreed with. It seemed like some fans were mad. They thought he was being nitpicky, but I thought the most important thing was at the end, like he was talking too much during the final play. So he did like ruin Jim Nance's moment. Like you're supposed to let the play by play get that. I, I believe, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that next year, Tom Brady might be calling the Super Bowl. <laughs> Which I, I think Tom's actually going to be like very good. I'm I'm actually, I mean, he's Tom Brady. Who knows? And you never know with these guys when, they, especially, he doesn't really have that much training. I know there's been some stories about how he's like gone in and done some test runs with Kevin Burkhart. I thought Greg Olson actually was very very good as like that's the, the shame is that Greg Olson is probably the next you yeah, know not going to be, be the best guy and he's going to be the number two there because of Brady. I am fascinated by the Brady thing because I mean he's. So I think he's this has been on purpose. He has like a podcast or whatever, and some clips come out every now and then of him like ranting about things. Like if he brings that level of personality to the broadcast, he could be very, very good. And there's obviously nobody has a better mind for football than him. So and we've seen like what the Peyton Manning and Eli broadcast is a little fun. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated to see how the Brady one does. I, I think generally it's hard. I feel like most of these broadcasters like they have like an impossible job. Like you're not going to please everybody and stuff like that. I think some are better than others. I think Romo in the beginning was like very, like, um, you know, he's predicting the plays and all that stuff. It just seemed like that stick kind of got old pretty quick and that he's getting paid like $30 million a year for his job. So he did, the, did what he had to do, I guess, but I think Romo's this- fine, but I agree. He's not like, yeah. you know, the superstar that people yeah. thought he was going to be when he first started. Go ahead, Marissa. To bring this all back to the jets. I'm, I'm going to call it now. It's, the Jets' first game in the season is going to be back in prime time. And who's <laughs> going to be in the booth but Tom Brady? Oh, wow. Tom Brady making fun of the Jets is what just <laughs> With what Aaron Rodgers back under center. Oh, man. I'm making you a mentioned... prediction now on February 15th. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Jets aren't playing the Packers like because there was a chance they could have. Yeah. Um, that would have been such a perfect like game, a season opening primetime game. Yeah. Zach, you mentioned Brady and the clips that are good from his podcast. Yeah. I mean, how about the Dunkings? Oh yeah, that was that that was one of the better commercials. Yeah, that was good. There there was I didn't watch it yet, but there's like an extended version that just yeah. came out too. That's good. Um, if you go to the Duncan Instagram, they have all there's all these different videos. Oh, they, those I mean, I, I think sometimes like they spend 
so much first you have to pay like however much like seven million or whatever for it to even air and like so and they also got tom brady j-lo ben affleck and matt damon all in this commercial <laughs> like and those yeah. those people don't have cheap like they no. just made so much money for like a couple days like that one was a more that was more production value than most commercials i actually saw i, I didn't even see this live but i guess kanye west paid seven million dollars for an ad but they didn't pay for like the production of it so he just did like a selfie video and then the like the all all his his product like online like the sales like went way up so it was like successful I missed that. yeah i missed that too i read about it online anyway i wonder if uh affleck and damon were like you know what we'll do this for scale because <laughs> i just it. love to hang out with tom for a day <laughs> you know? but ben, ben affleck's so associated with dunkin donuts he's helped them yeah. like probably a decent amount frankly because yeah. he had all those photos of him looking all depressed smoking a cigarette and stuff <laughs> i'm wondering if if um if Tim's got the outfit yet, because you know Tim is from yeah, yeah. Massachusetts. Yeah, we got to get so that. He's probably, am, he's probably got no, Duncan in his blood. No, that, should your, that should be your family outfit for Halloween next year. Yeah, I grew up on Duncan, but I've definitely yeah. left. Duncan's not very okay. Good. Let's be honest. You're you're a Starbs guy now. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Now good. you're I'm a New Yorker. So I'm a I'm you know, a local you know neighborhood you know coffee the, stop guy. Oh, me too. Yeah, I've like left that. the big brand. You know what is good at Dunkin' Donuts is their hash browns. They are amazing. It's like yes, those are good. Yes, the hash browns are good. Uh, all right. I, I had this question in the rundown just because the 49ers, three straight NFC championship games, they won one. They, they've now lost three straight Super Bowls. It's been 30 years since that franchise won a Super Bowl. So, right in this moment, would you rather be a Jets fan or a 49ers fan? Good question. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I would say 49ers probably because. <laughs> I mean, being a Jets fan sounds like a like a tough existence, but yeah, um, they've had they have wins along the way to their loss. It's kind of like as opposed. To yeah, there, there's a thing like 49ers fans are tired of falling short all the time. Um, Jets fans are tired of not even being able to have it, the chance to fall short. So that it just depends on like what you want. Like that's, that's why this offseason has been so fascinating to me, uh, comparing the Jets to other teams, because you look at all these teams that had double digit wins, went on runs. 49ers fired their defensive coordinator this week. The Eagles changed both coordinators. Like, the, I mean, the Cowboys lost Dan Quinn, but like they're they're revamping their staff. Like all these these the, the Niners have to revamp like a decent amount of their staff actually because they lost Clint Kubiak, they lost a couple other guys. These uh these like really good teams either lose coaches for like better jobs or they are firing them because they're getting impatient because things aren't working. And then you have the Jets who obviously are running it back. And, you know, we don't need to go too deep into that. We've talked about that a lot. But the, the, the thing of Hackett, part of it is just, like, fascinating to me. That Steve Wilkes, and look, I get there's some other things beyond. It wasn't just the Super Bowl that got him fired. I think there was – it sounds like there was a lot of issues with, like, communication. And that Kyle Shanahan wasn't happy with a lot of the stuff he was doing all year. It was just a bad fit. I think he's a good coach. But you fire a defensive coordinator, like, a few days after losing the Super Bowl. Like, it, like that, that's insane to me. And, and the Eagles too, like everybody wanted Nick Sirianni fired throughout the season that they start. I know they had a terrible collapse and at the end of it, you're like, okay, they are kind of a mess, but um, it's just the dichotomy between a team like the Jets and a team like the Eagles and 49ers is so fascinating. I, I think ultimately the 49ers are a very interesting comparison for the Jets because I think I'm like on paper, I like I know the 49ers have a lot, a lot of talent. They, they have more offensive talent for sure, but defensively, I think their talent is pretty comparable. Uh, the Jets should have a better quarterback with Aaron Rodgers than Brock Purdy. You have Brees Hall, not as good as Christian McCaffrey, but a little bit closer than I think nationally people realize. Garrett Wilson, I'd take him over Debo Samuel. 
Um, Brandon Ayuk might not even want to be there anymore. Anyway, the, the point being, like they they run the same a similar scheme defensively. They have a lot of talent. The Jets just haven't been able to put it together, and they make a lot of mistakes. They shoot themselves in the foot and all that stuff. Whereas the 49ers are very well coached and seem to do the right things until the the Super Bowl, and you know you, you don't really give your offensive weapons the ball in overtime or whatever. But um, yeah, I, don't know, I, I, I think I'd, I'd still take I still take the 49ers overall over the Jets, but I. I do think if the Jets can keep Aaron Rodgers upright, can fix the O-line, like I, I think it's a lot closer than people might realize. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Uh, you mentioned the, the San Francisco fire in their coach. The Jets do have new coaches. We haven't talked about yeah. that um, on this pod. So let's get into that a little bit. Minor changes, obviously. Weird changes at the receiver spot where you kind of have a new coach and the old coach was there. And But but get us caught up on that, Zach. Yeah, yeah. Well, so first, Taylor Embry was fi- fired uh, as the running backs coach. He actually got hired by the Patriots. Um which is always interesting when Jets people go to New England, but um, they replaced him with Tony Dews, uh, the, the Titans coach. He coached Derrick Henry uh, for a while, and then last year after after the Titans fired Todd Down and Keith Carter, um, they rearranged everything, and he became a tight ends coach for the Titans last year. And then the Jets brought him in because they have to have every every Titans every Titans coach has to be in New York because the Giants hired a bunch too. It's been like the most fascinating, the only Titans coach that doesn't have Except a Vrabel is Mike yeah. Vrabel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I actually, I, I, uh, covered Tony dues when he was a, the, uh, receivers coach at university of Arizona way back in the day. So I known him a while. I think he's a very good coach. Obviously it's hard to tell how good a coach is when he has Derek Henry as his pupil, because you know, he's going to make you look smart. He's one of those coaches that makes you look like a better coach no matter what. But I think he's, the right coach to put get this running back group going, get Brees Hall to the next level. Wide receivers, they hired Sean Jefferson, who was their receivers coach a few years ago, actually. Um, it was the situation was weird. They hired him while still having Zach Azani on staff, and they essentially said, you know, you can either go and find another job or we'll like reassign you kind of thing, which is like a very like I compare I compared it to office space with the the guy that was just cashing a paycheck in the basement and he had a stapler and all that stuff. And everybody forgot that he was there and then they finally stopped paying him and then he burned the building down. But um, yeah, so Zach Azani got hired by the Steelers actually. So he got another job. Um, Yeah. Sean Jefferson, he's an experienced coach. Um, You know, the receivers were not very good last year. I don't know that you can blame it on Azani necessarily like Alan Lazard. I don't know what he could have done. Randall Cobb. I don't know what he could have done. I think he did a good job coaching up Xavier Gibson who's an undrafted rookie. Like yeah, he didn't really have a lot point. of like great tools to work with, I would say, but um, I mean, Garrett Wilson got better. Bigger problem was they weren't getting him the ball when he was open. So 
take with that what you will. They haven't filled the job that we reported on uh, where we where we said that they were looking at adding a coach um, to the offensive staff to kind of like reduce Hackett's role. I don't know what the progress has been. If they've talked to more people, I know one of the guys they talked to got hired elsewhere. I can't really say who um, uh, he got a job, a better job elsewhere. So I don't know if they're going to fill that or what's going on with that, or if they're, they haven't really announced the coaching staff changes yet. So that could be coming at some point. So yeah, that's in the coaching staff that's happened in the front office. As, I think when we did our last podcast is when they moved on from, or the news came out about them moving on from Rex Hogan. Uh, Chad Alexander left for the chargers to be the assistant GM over there, which in theory, he could have just been the assistant GM here because they just lost Rex Hogan, but he decided yeah. to go to Los Angeles, which is notable. Like Joe Douglas just lost his two, his right and left hand as Connor described it. He lost Chad Alexander and Rex Hogan his number two and his number three, essentially. So those are pretty big losses from Joe's perspective. And I don't know how they're going to fix it. Um, or fill those roles or if they will, or if they'll just promote internally, I don't get the sense that they're going to be making a lot of hirings outside the building, but, um, those are, those are notable losses. Even if, you know, fans are, you know, mad about how things have gone personnel wise or draft wise. Like I, these are people that have been Joe Douglas's like right next to him. And now he used to learn on the fly with somebody new and all that stuff. So, um, it's all notable and it's interesting that they're losing all these people. All right, we are going to do actually, you know what? Our uh, our winner is here. So, before we get to the to Zach's 10 steps to the offseason and what to do, why don't we uh why don't we welcome in Ian Bavona, who is the uh the champion, the season-long picks. And Ian, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Ian. definitely. Thanks for having me. I'm going to bring up the standings here just so everybody can can take a look and see that at the top Impressive a big stuff. postseason run, and you kind of ran away with this thing. Four points better than Jimbo Brennan, who is kind of at the top most of the season. You made a late run. Uh, you won four weeks. I think two of those, at least, were in the playoffs. But 55% for the season, very solid work. And I think in the postseason, when you really pulled away, I think you were 11 of 13. Is that, does that sound right? Yeah, something like that. I know I had a I had a big week, like the last week of the regular season. and then. Uh, I think like wild card round I won five of six or something along those lines. And it's all luck. Gotta, gotta give it <laughs> Congrats it though. Is. This is, that's great work by you. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, so J go ahead, Marissa. I was just going to say like, did any <clears throat> of these picks earn you any um, actual winnings um, aside from just the glory? Of the <laughs> and, uh, un unfortunately not. This is my oh. reward. I, uh, okay. I live in, uh, I live in Washington, I'm sorry, so it's not <laughs> there, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, being on the podcast is the best reward anyone. Can. Oh, thank <laughs> you. We're going to, we're going to figure out something to send you too. We want to yes. give you, uh, yeah, the, uh, the can't wait care right. package is coming yeah. development. So yes. I, we got your address. Uh, so just talk about your, your jets fan, obviously talk about, you know, how that started and, and, um, you know, where, how you're feeling right now. <laughs> yeah so uh my both my parents grew up on long island i grew up in virginia so i was surrounded by uh you know washington commanders fans uh now is the name but uh yeah my first year of watching football or first two years were the two afc championship runs so i was like okay this is awesome i mean every year is gonna be like this playing deep into january and then from then on it just kind of trailed down and continue to trail down <laughs> uh the uh i guess the the past low point was being at the buck fumble game 
Uh, it was my first Jets home game that I was able oh, to no. growing up in Virginia. Um, and then we were sitting uh, like near the end zone where the Patriots scored those, what was it, four or five touchdowns in that second quarter there. So oh, my God. that wasn't too fun. And then uh, <laughs> I guess the most recent low point was, you know, four snaps into this year. But it is what it is. Love the Jets. Sit down every week and watch them. So they got to – I'm just hoping for a little more success this year. Are you hopeful for this year? Like, has this season beaten you down? Or are you still optimistic that with a healthy Aaron Rodgers, this team's going to be ready to go? Uh, I like to think of myself as an optimistic person by nature. So, I mean, obviously when you lose a Hall of Fame guy uh, that early into the year, there's going to be some uh, some downturn that goes on with the rest of the team. But uh, I'm hoping if they can solidify that offensive line, then uh, we'll have a little more success this year. Hopefully make, make a playoff run. And, uh, yeah. So who who was uh, who was like your favorite player when you were when you were first becoming a Jets fan? Uh, probably Revis. Um, yeah. I'm sure that's a pretty common answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm always I've always been a defensive fan. Uh, probably that probably stems from watching the Jets. Yeah, uh, yeah. Throughout, very, very throughout my years, their their defense has always been much better yeah. than the offensive side of the ball. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, back when I was in like middle school and high school, watching uh, watching Muhammad Wilkerson, that was a lot of fun. Before. You know everything happened with him, but uh, yeah, yeah. that uh, that 2015 year he was just unblockable. So that was a he's probably a close second there. Awesome. So you're loving mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner and uh, Quinn and Williams these days, then, right? Definitely. How could you not? Yeah, of course. You mentioned those uh, those two AFC Championship runs. We actually have a in our athletic audio team. We have a UK side that covers all the international soccer, Premier League stuff, podcasts, and we have a producer over there who came here on his honeymoon during one of those post seasons and is still a Jets fan because he decided to honeymoon in New York city (laughs) when the Jets were randomly making it to the AFC championship game. (laughs) He picked that. Poor guy. Yeah. He's just, I was like, you could just not pay attention. You live in another (laughs) continent, but he's uh, he's all in. He, uh, he's a big football guy though. He stayed up for the super bowl till 4am. Wow. Good for him. (laughs) All right. Well, Ian, Thank you so much for for coming on. First of all, we appreciate it in the middle of the morning um, and for participating all year long. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up at the bottom of this first page, Zach. Oh, I thought you were at, there. You <laughs> oh, go. there he is. I see him. Forty nine point two four. So I so I was best on the Can't Wait podcast. Then is that what that means? Yeah, I may have stopped <laughs> at some point. Very early, so. Yeah. You guys don't see me because I'm so high up there. I'm 100. percent Oh right. So, right. Like even Ian, I just you know. Yeah, I think I think her name was right next to mine. So. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I actually think I did like. I mean, granted, I was on maternity leave. I did have a you know little baby, but I'm like, all right, I'm gonna like be out and like dominate this. And that was like one week. So props to you, Ian, for. Not only making great picks, but remembering to do it every week. Yeah, that was that was the challenge for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would be you. like, the games would start, and I'm like, the Thursday game I would forget pretty frequently. Yeah, yeah that was a challenge to remember. And then I'm game, I, I live in Washington, so games start at 10 a.m. So usually, mm. you know, like 9:30, 9:45, I'm pulling up the the whatever the the gridiron games thing to make my picks. So it was all luck at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, good job. Yeah, shout out to Gridiron Games for offering a free 
uh, option for doing a pool like that too. We should give them a little credit. Yeah. Um, all right, Ian, thanks so much, man, for coming on. Uh, enjoy the off season and hopefully these, this Jets team can get you back in a, a high note for not just your picks, but the team itself next year. <laughs> Yes. definitely back-to-back off-season champs that's right, <laughs> yeah, right. always yeah absolutely thanks for having me all yeah have a good one Ian. bye and look out for a can't wait uh swag can't package happen. coming soon <laughs> all right awesome thanks ian as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right. Uh, congratulations to Ian Bavona. Uh, Four-point win. He really ran away with it in the postseason. All right, let's get back to the offseason. And just this week, do you want to start with the salary cap stuff, Zach, or do you want to get into your 10 steps plan? Well, b- Before I do that, I should because we haven't talked since this happened, Woody Johnson spoke for the first time um, on the red carpet before the NFL honors. Um, wasn't a lot of like surprising stuff. He said though, the, the thing that caught on is when he said that we didn't have a backup quarterback last year. Yeah. He which, threw Zach under the bus. Yep. I did not. I'm not sure why he did that, but like, I get like the message, like they need to be better when, if Rogers goes down, but I don't know if you want to go out there and say stuff like that. And look, I don't think it actually hurts the trade value. Um, because I don't know that Zach had much anyway, but, um, that didn't really get the point of him saying that specifically, but you know, it was mostly stuff about him saying about how he's told the coaching staff about how mad he is and and all that stuff. And, um, normally the owner will talk to the media, like the local media in a, in a interview setting at the end of the season, they decided not to do that this year. They let him do it at the red carpet. Um, I don't know. We'll probably talk to him not again until owners meetings. And by then they'll have done free agency and all that stuff. Um, he wasn't asked about like our article or anything, but um, it's pretty clear that it's like a win now kind of, you know, playoff mandate type season, even if he's not going to say it directly as we all kind of knew, but you know, when you hear the owner actually like say how impatient he is and, and all that stuff, I, I'm just curious to see what this off season looks like in terms of spending, how much he approves, what Joe Douglas is able to do. Um, because they have a lot of stuff they have to do and it's not going to be cheap. So, Yeah, uh, it's certainly going to be interesting. Um, and yeah, I don't know if we really needed, wanted to hear from Woody on the red carpet, but but we got it anyway. All right, 10 steps off-season plan from Zach. This article is out on The Athletic. You can join right now for $2 a month for a year. Theathletic.com slash can't wait. Number one on the list. Was this a in order list? or is this Yeah, a, it, was, it was more like... It's uh, definitely not most important. It was more like sequentially like... 
the things yeah. that would happen. Or I think people interpret it initially as like most important, which I, I should have been more clear. Training Zach. Yeah, Wilson because number one. Important. Yeah, and that's not the most important thing. It's is trade Zach Wilson. Yeah, it's just the thing that I think might happen the soonest, essentially. So, um, I mean, at this point, what do you think they get? What? Yeah, like something like a fifth or sixth, or fifth. a conditional fifth that can turn into a fourth, depending on playing time. Like something like that. I think they they'll get that. Um, it's possible they don't. There's no interest, and they just either have to settle for like a conditional seventh or. Something like that. I don't think it'll get to that. I do think Zach has shown enough flashes that there'll be somebody that will trade for him. I really do believe that. Um, maybe I'm naive, but uh, I think you're right because I think people, I think people look at this offensive staff and how the team was run, yeah. and you know what I mean, what he's been through from a coaching standpoint, and say like, well, we have better coaches, we'll do better. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, like I, there's talent there. Like he's never going to be like an ace starting quarterback who's going to dominate the league or anything, but he can be a good backup at the very least. And maybe a good coaching staff can develop him into more, put him into a less a, a situation with less pressure um, where he can focus on development. And then maybe you you have something there. Um, but ultimately, he's just not going to be a jet. I think that's obvious. That's been obvious for a while. But it's this is when it's going to happen finally. And it could happen. I would say it's, I mean, some point between now and the start of free agency is when you would hope it would happen, I would say. So the combine might be where it heats up uh, in a couple of weeks uh, when everybody's kind of there together, the GMs, all that stuff. I don't know that it'll happen then, but I, I, I think it's coming at some point between now and the start of free agency in middle of March is my prediction. All right. Number two, make a decision on Lake and Tomlinson. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one because he is an $18 million cap hit. Uh you can't go into next season paying him that much, especially as they need to clear a lot of cap. So you need to decide, do we just want to restructure and push him dead money to the future? Can we get him to do a pay cut? I think that's the best case scenario. Uh, or do we just straight up cut him? And while I, I think a lot of fans want him cut, I do think it's important to remember they need to fill at least two starting jobs on the offensive line. You're creating another hole there. And the odds of you being able to spend enough money to get three upgrades at tackle, tackle and guard are not very good. So I, as much as I know the fan base has kind of soured on Lake and he's consistently healthy and, you know, he has some really bad games. He has, he's been solid at times. I, I think you run it back with him for a year. If you can get him to do a pay cut, if not, you move on, you figure it out, uh, find a guy for a cheaper cost. Uh, but ultimately like, I, like Lakin's not going to make that much money on the open market. So that's why maybe he would, that's why you had Carl Lawson agreeing to a pay cut last year, which kind of backfired because now they're essentially paying Carl Lawson 6 million this year to not play for them. But, um, you see if he'll do a pay cut. And if he doesn't, you move on is essentially what it comes down to with him. Like they don't have a, they don't have as many guys as usual this year that they can cut for cap savings. It's CJ Uzama. It's Lake and Tomlinson are essentially it. Unless you want to throw in CJ uh, Mosley, you'd save $17 million, which is obviously very tempting, but he's the leader of the defense. He's the Aaron Rodgers yeah. of the defense. That defense needs him in ways beyond the football, but he's, for whatever reason, it seems like some fans have soured on him. I, I think he's been pretty good. Like he's his athleticism is not quite there anymore, and he's not a good in coverage. But I think he's a solid, solid linebacker. He's a big reason why Quincy Williams has developed into what he is. Like you do what you can to bring him back, whether you extend him for a couple of years and it's like you know maybe the the last two years aren't guaranteed or you're restructured and you're just tacking on some dead cap. You can't carry a twenty one million dollar cap hit on him, but I just don't see them cutting him. If that would be the if, if somebody were to ask me what's a surprise cut, I guess Mosley maybe would be the one you would think about, but I, I don't think they're going to do that. So I think we should get that out of our minds. But those are like the only ones you can really cut and save. And JFM as well, but he's, he, again, he's like a player that's too good to just straight up cut. 
even if his cap hits a little high. So they've, they've some interesting decisions to make. There's going to be a lot of restructuring. Um, we go into like some of the other things they can do in here and my salary cap thing. They can extend DJ Reed, reduce his cap hit. They can extend Tyler Conklin. Um, there's avenues to create a lot of cap space. It's going to make the cap sheet kind of like unwieldy in the coming years, but that they're kind of all in on this year. And Joe Douglas is fighting for his job. So like, what does he have to lose? The key is getting Woody Johnson to sign off on it, but I don't see why he wouldn't because they, it's time for them to win now. And so that, that you go, you, you spend on offensive line, you spend on wide receivers, definitely spend on a backup quarterback, everything else. I think you can fill with like mid-level guys, but those positions on offense, they need to spend money on. And sometimes you got to create the bad money situation to have a winner on the field. And then you, you deal with the, the yeah. aftermath afterwards. Uh, you mentioned Reed uh, and Ta- and Conklin. That was number three, number four. And this is, this is maybe the biggest one on this list, right? Is make make a difficult decision on Bryce Huff. Yeah, and you have a full article also out about Bryce Huff, but man, it it just feels like the opportunity is past, right? Like they they needed to get him signed a year ago. Yeah, I just like he's not going to give the Jets a discount, and I ultimately like yes, you can re- you can structure the contract so the cap hit is low this year, but then you're paying a lot of defensive linemen a lot of money and. Well, I think they should do it because he's a homegrown guy. He's 25 years old. He's an elite pass rusher. As other people have pointed out, like if you think about it, they weren't really, weren't really playing with a lot of leads this last year. So um, while he only played less than 50% of the snaps, he still got 10 sacks. And now imagine if they're playing with leads and they have to rush the passer a lot more. Like that was the idea when they drafted Will McDonald. We're going to keep coming at you. And so if they're better next year, you have Bryce Huff, you have Jermaine Johnson, you have JFM, you have Will McDonald. I think that's like as good of a defensive end group as you're going to find in the league. But the owner also has to be willing to pay a backup $17 million a year, which is a lot of money to commit to a guy who's never been a full-time starter. So I, I don't think it's, he's going to come back. I think he's probably asking for 20 million a year in free agency. Um, and I just don't see, you know, they didn't really offer him anything during the season. There was like discussions. The Jets ultimately decided they weren't going to, you know, extend anybody uh, during the season. They were tight against the cap sheet. I think that was a mistake. They're going to regret letting him go. I think uh, the best teams like sign their young guys before they hit free agency. Um, and yeah, M- Michael Dunn just said, imagine if Huff signs with Buffalo, that'd be scary. Like th- that's also the fear. He goes to a team that's where he just starts terrorizing you every year. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot of teams, even ones that already have great pass rushers that might look at Bryce Huff as like, all right, we can bring this guy in and he could just rush the passer for us. And, um teams of cap space and stuff like that like I, teams that are like blitzing like he, he the interesting thing about him is he can play in a three four and a four three because he's so fast uh so he can play up as like an outside linebacker or he can go down as a defensive end and so that kind of opens his market up even more i think he's going to wind up with one of the biggest contracts in free agency and i just don't think the jets are going to pay him i'm going to skip a little bit we won't hit all 10 yeah. of these. invest in the offensive line though is obviously i i yeah. said bryce huff was was maybe the biggest thing but Really, it's probably the yeah, that, yeah. That's the biggest thing. Um, I'm very. Some of it depends on what they what position they're plan on putting AVT at, because that kind of like dictates what they're going to do. Maybe they base it on who they can get, and then they figure out their best five kind of thing. They have that's one benefit of yeah. him, right? Is yeah, they yeah. Can, it it broadens what you can go after because you can for sure move him to fill what's left. So, like if if I was if I was doing it, I would spend the most money on like whatever top offensive lineman they can get preferably a tackle. I think Mike Onwenu from the Patriots is the most intriguing to me. I know Tyron Smith is very tempting because uh, he's elite, but he's also getting older and he plays around 10 games a year. So 
you're you're adding another injury prone guy. There's Trent Brown on the on the Patriots. Um, Jermaine Elumenor on uh, the Vike, uh, Raiders. Sorry, um, Andrew Speed on the Saints. Like there's some there's some like solid guys. The top guys are Tyron Smith, Trent Brown, and uh, Mike Mike and Wenu. They should try and get one of those guys. Brown and Smith are both injury prone, and I they should not be going after injury prone guys. So there's there's risk. Like I, I, every year a team is going to overpay the top offensive lineman and the top wide receiver in free agency. And it often does not work out. I mean, the jets signed Alan Lazard last year. Um, the giants signed Kenny Galladay, Nate Solder. Like there, there's a reason an offensive lineman is hitting free agency most likely, but the jets don't really have the luxury of like waiting and, and hoping that a rookie can come in and fix everything. So I think you spend a lot of money on one guy you, you sign whether, you know, depending on whether they bring Lake and back or not, you sign another guy either for depth or as a starter, and then you draft the third guy that you need to start, and ideally at left tackle. So you put, you sign Mike Onwenu is what I would do. He'd play your right tackle. You draft, you know, the guy from Penn State, tenth, uh, or or the Talisi Fuaga from Oregon State at ten. Plug him in at left tackle, and then either sign a guard or you know bring back Lake, and and then you have a pretty solid. Like you don't need you don't need stars on your offensive line. You just need a solid group that can stay healthy and stay on the field together. So um, the number one priority this offseason is Joe Douglas has to fix the offensive line. He might need two different starting offensive tackles, and that's a lot, a lot to figure out. There, it might not wind up being the sexy names that fans want because they also have to want to come to the Jets, and the Jets have to be willing to pay them. And so, some of these guys, they might have to pay more than like, you know, if the Chiefs want to sign a guy. It's not going to cost them as much as if the Jets do ultimately. So um, there are some challenges with trying to fill all your needs in free agency, but there are avenues for Joe Douglas to improve this group vastly, and he has to do it at all costs. All right. Don't overspend on a number two wide receiver. And you have a great stat here of the basically the the top earning free agent wide receivers over the last five years. And man, the Jet, I mean, Two of them are Jets, right? Corey <laughs> Davis makes the list. Alan Lazard is obviously a nightmare. But the fact is, signing free agent, high expensive free agent receivers doesn't tend to work out. Yeah. And so, and it starts like this every year. The free agent class on paper looks amazing right now because you have T. Higgins, right. Mike Evans, Michael Pittman. Um, I don't think any of those guys are actually going to hit free agency. I think they'll either get franchise tagged or resign where they are. I think the ones that could hit are Calvin Ridley and Marquise Brown at the top. Um, and I think Ridley, they'll go after. I don't know. I'm not as convinced that they're going to be able to reel him in because uh, I think he's going to have a lot of interest. He's going to cost a lot of money, though. It's going to be $17 million a year for the guy who is very talented. But, you know, I don't think he had a perfect year in Jacksonville. Um, Marquise Brown, he's injury prone, very talented, has some ties to the new receivers coach. Uh, I'm intrigued by Marquise Brown because he's explosive and he brings a little different element than Garrett Wilson. But again, like usually if you're paying the most for a receiver and free agency, it, odds are it's like the, the history is not very good. As I said, like in that, in, in the list that I had, I think the one that was like the only one you could call like a full on success would be Christian Kirk. And I don't think that's like a resounding success. And Jacoby Myers was fine for the Raiders last year, but um Again, like they're if they're all in on this year, like whatever you just do it. I think there are some options, maybe in a trade they could pursue. There's Cortland Sutton from the Broncos. I'm intrigued at the idea of Deontay Johnson from the Steelers because you know he had some um, last year. It seemed like he clashed with that coaching staff a bit. Uh, there's some other ones like on, on like a second tier. There's like Gabe Davis uh, from the Bills in free agency. Uh, I I wouldn't be shocked if they go more towards that tier with Gabe Davis. I mean, I wouldn't sign Odell Beckham, but he's like in that next tier. 
like somebody like that. And then you draft another guy. Cause I think it's a pretty talented receiver class, whether that's in the first round or the third round or whatever, you can get a really good receiver in the draft. They didn't draft any last year. And so you, you I think you need to get a new number two and you probably need a new number three receiver. I, I wouldn't rely on Lazard for either of those. What like, about well, Rogers back? Do you think they're tempted to just think that Lazard will be fine? I don't think, I don't think you can bank on him being anything because he literally looked like a practice squad player last year. So um, like the least productive receiver in the NFL, you can't go into the season relying on him. They're paying him and it's going to hurt to pay $11 million or whatever his cap it is, 14 million uh, for a number four receiver, but you can't bank on him. And if he's good, then you have a bunch of good receivers. Like they just need to have more options. It seemed like they had great depth last year. Then Corey Davis retires and, and all of a sudden you're starting Randall Cobb and you're getting rid of McCall Hardman and, and and all that crap that happened last year but they just need to be better better prepared they need to have more weapons for aaron Rodgers. ideally you address as much as you can in free agency so when you're in the draft it's not like so obvious what you're doing and so you don't have what happened last year or the or the steelers trade up right in front of you and steal the offensive lineman so ideally you, you sign as many of these guys as you can so when you go into the draft you can just pick the best offensive player on the board whether even if that means picking a tight end like you need to put yourself in position to get the best possible player and not just like telegraph who you're going to pick um i'll skip over don't just sign aaron Rodgers' friends obviously uh but do sign a real backup quarterback back to the woody johnson comments and you have jacoby Brissett or ryan Tannehill as your targets yeah i think they make the most sense for a lot of reasons they are going to cost i mean the going rate for backups i think is going to be pretty wild this offseason just because you saw last year how many teams need them like i'm i'm curious what happens to joe flacco uh honestly because i i I feel like he's he he has to get a job now. I don't know if it'll be with the Browns or not, but like I imagine he'll get a backup job somewhere. Um, but yeah, you know a guy like Jacoby Brissett. I know the Jets like he, he cost the Commanders eight million last year. It'll probably be more, but I think it's worth it. Um, Tannehill has ties to this coaching staff with Todd Downing and Keith Carter. The Steelers have been floated as a possibility for him because they hired Arthur Smith. Um, I just think those are guys that like. You know, maybe they're not going to go and win you a Super Bowl if Rodgers goes down, but they're going to be able to function as an offense, and this should be a playoff team. This could be a playoff team with Ryan Tannehill or Jacoby Brissett. Gardner Minshew is another one. I, I think he's going to get a chance to be a starter or to compete to be one. I was adding it up earlier, actually. I think there's like, I think there's going to be like eight teams that, like, I'm not exactly sure who their starter is going to be. I'll just, I'll just tell them. Right, so I have the Patriots, wow. who you think would draft one, the Steelers, uh, the Raiders the Broncos, the Vikings, although I think Cousins probably winds up going back, but who knows, the Falcons, the Seahawks, and the Washington Commanders who will draft one. Um, so it's, uh, I mean, I guess you could say the Bears technically, but I mean, they're obviously just going to draft Caleb Williams. So th those are eight teams. And I think Gardner Minshew should get a shot to start because I don't think there are eight quarterbacks out there better than Gardner Minshew that you can go and add right now off of free agency. So I don't, I don't see him going to the Jets for that reason, but. Anyway, yeah, that's that's an absolute priority. Woody Johnson kind of put his foot down and made it clear that you would think he'd be willing to spend on one a better one. I actually saw an interesting one floated that the Jets should trade for uh, Sam Howell on Washington because they're going to get a new quarterback, new coaching staff. He's proved he's good enough to be a starter, so he, and he's young, so you can kind of develop him a little bit. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that because he's financially that won't cost as much as like a Jacoby. So I, I'd be I'd be up for that too if the Jets uh, were interested. Number 10, I think we kind of already covered this, but draft O-line and an, or an offensive weapon early, but then a developmental quarterback late, which is probably key here because yeah, eventually you need a backup quarterback that you've actually developed in-house. Yeah, 
like it, the quarterback factory thing that Eagles fans make fun of for how he, with Howie Roseman, like they, it's good practice to be drafting late quarterbacks late in the draft. Where if you look at the guys that Jets drafted in the later rounds last year, it's guys like Zaire Barnes at linebacker, Jarek Bernard Converse. Um, like these are guys that did not do anything for the team. And I get why you signed them. You signed them in theory to help on special teams or whatever. They just didn't wind up being anything. So this that's where you should be taking flyers on guys with tools, guys at quarterback. Develop somebody. Aaron Rodgers is going to be 41 next season. I'm not saying this guy they draft in the in the fourth round, fifth round is going to be like a starter necessarily, but you take a swing and you hope you find the next Brock Purdy. Hey, like what's, yeah, what, I was going to say can, Tom Brady, Brock Purdy. Hurt, they happen yeah. every once in a while. Or if, or, like, I, I mean, I wouldn't even if they hypothetically traded back in the first round and picked up a second round pick. Like, you know, I'd 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 be interested in Michael Penix from Washington in the second round. Like, why not? Like, get one of these guys that has some legit talent. Um, and, and then, you know, in theory, maybe you roll with that guy as your number two, I guess, or you don't have to, but I don't know. I, I just think they need to be very open to the possibility of drafting a quarterback, not in the first round necessarily, unless they're like in love with somebody who's there at 10, but um, it's time to develop a quarterback. And whether that guy becomes your number two long-term or your number one, like they, they have to do it. All right. So that's the plan. Just roll it out, do it. And uh, in playoffs, here we come, right? Just, just open up my my article joe douglas plug in your subscription and uh and then just do the off season that way and then you'll be good they're all everyone in the nfl subscribes to the athletic well some people from the jets might have unsubscribed after a couple <laughs> weeks ago but <laughs> that's fair that's fair did you get much uh have you heard much from the t- i mean this is probably something we should nah, it's, it, show, it's but... we're in a stretch of the off season where we're not really interacting with the team yeah, very so much yeah, right now so there hasn't really been anything um at the combine is going to be the first time but the interesting thing about the combine is Salah never goes Usually, oh, does right. like, usually does a zoom, but Joe Douglas will talk. So he'll kind of be the first person besides Woody to talk since our article, since the end of the season, all that stuff. And it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of topics to cover with Joe in a couple of weeks. So. All right. We look forward to it. Um, and that's probably around when we'll be back a couple of weeks back yeah, here. And on I'll, the and podcast. I'll, see, I'll see Marissa in person. No, Tim though. Again, you guys, I yeah. feel like you guys see each other all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Never in Jersey where you both. Yeah. Live. All over. Good point. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Cleveland, Indianapolis, all the best cities. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excited right. for it. All right. That's going to uh, do it for, actually, we should record from there, right? When Zach's there. Yeah, we did that last we, time. Yeah, we should be yeah, able to yeah, do that yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of Can't Wait Podcast. Thanks for everybody for tuning in live, or if you're checking out the audio after the fact, appreciate it. Thanks to Ian Bavona for joining us on the show. The care package is on the way, Ian. So uh, check your mail for that over the next couple of weeks. And we'll talk to everybody again soon. Bye. Hey, football fans. This is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.